0: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast, the day after Manchester United were beaten by Galatasaray at Old Trafford, no Turkish delight for United, another sickening night for Eric Ten Hag's team this season, six defeats in ten games now. Uh, I'm Tyrone Marshall, hosting today, joined by Samuel Lockhurst, we were both at Old Trafford last night. Uh, Samuel, I guess the obvious place to start is what on earth is going on?
1: Well, when I arrived there yesterday, uh, the car park saw James Robson after saying hello. How are you? I think my first words to him were, I-, "I wonder what this crashing clown car of the club have got for us in store this evening." And it, it wasn't what I expected. It-, it was it was a lot worse. I think we all sense that maybe Galatasaray would would harm United. They had enough in in their squad to do so. Even though a lot of those players are, are trading more so on reputation rather than that th- their their current level. But it seemed fated that Wilfred Zaha would score. It seemed fated that United would concede identical goals to how they've been conceding goals this season as well. And really, United are just so gettable at the moment. And it's difficult to recall a time in recent memory where they were so vulnerable at home as well. And they've, they've had some dreadful seasons at home under David Moyes, under Louis van Gaal, uh, to a lesser extent under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. But you're going to Old Trafford now and there's almost a borderline expectation that United are are going to disappoint to a degree. And as far as last night's game went, anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, The the game management that we've seen already from them this season is just all right. Just this propensity for conceding so quickly after scoring, not being able to maintain their focus... The, the manner of the goals they've conceded that the second goal, it's it's the it's, it's the straightforward tactic against United. You play the ball into the channel, the ball gets pulled back to to the runner who's who's unattended, and and they score that that's hap- that happened three times in September alone. Um, I think it was João Pedro for Brighton, Odegaard for Arsenal, um, and and of course Serge Gnabry uh, with with Bayern Munich, and it, it has got so bad that the question. Had to be asked last night, and it was asked by by our colleague Dave McDonnell uh, of Ten Hag whether he was concerned about his position because they've lost six out of their first ten games for the first time since 1986 to 87. This they've conceded the most goals after the first ten games uh, since 1966 to 67. So even in these last ten years, where it feels like all the unwanted records of of you know tumbled really because of how poor united have been uh, from time to time they there are they are still finding spectacular ways to to outdo themselves and of course the embarrassment last night it wasn't just on the pitch it was in the stands with the infiltration of galatasaray supporters in in the home section we felt we were in istanbul just in the press box because we had the most partisan Analyst that we we've ever ever encountered next to us who really should have been in the away end probably with his, uh, with his massive tripod to the left of us in the director's box, which is it's it's not the regulars in that section of it the regulars are a little bit further away but the, the guests who come mainly they were all Galatasaray staff dignitaries and that was like an ultra section as well during the game and at full time and you saw members of staff at United um, I think Dominic Jordan the head of uh, is it da- head of data science data science um, yeah um, uh, and Andy O'Boyle the deputy football director just looking quite sheepish at the back thinking like are, are we in Manchester or Istanbul and I saw Rebecca Britton the club secretary sidle over to a UEFA official seemingly appalled <laughs> by what what she saw in front of her I mean you, you don't expect such partisan behaviour in, in a director's box but if it's Galatasaray coming to Manchester and if they're coming to Manchester and they're beating Man United, they're entitled to save the moment. And it was, it was a great atmosphere last night. As as rotten a night as it was for United, it was a really absorbing game of football um, with some brilliant pieces of play from, from both sides. As I said, the the decibel level, um, it's, I don't think it's been that high at Old Trafford for, certainly this season, but ultimately, yeah, you know, the, the glory that Rasmus Hoyland might have had, he, he was deprived of because of the incompetence at the other end.
0: Yeah, it, it was one of those nights where um, it, it just felt so familiar, really, to this season. You mentioned the quick concessions. Um, they started well and played well for probably three quarters of the game as well. And we've seen that so often this season, that they do have their moments when they look like a functional team. And there was some of that last night. They started really well. Hoyland got the goal. Lead lasted six minutes and conceded a soft goal. Second half, the, the, the first the first half of the second half, like you say, the atmosphere then was as loud as I've heard it uh, for a long time at Old Trafford. And as good as the Galatasaray fans were, the United fans were excellent at that point. The, the atmosphere was brilliant. Hoyland's second goal was fantastic. You know, the, the roof was coming off the place at that point. United had clearly been the better team for three quarters of the game. Just got to see it out. And then they conceded after four minutes, Another soft concession and, and that is becoming a problem, isn't it? That they they can't hold on to leads, or if they concede first, even if they're playing well, the heads just go, and it's that, that's got to be a major concern for Ten Hag, because it suggests mental frailties and and a mental weakness really in this squad at the moment.
1: Well he was asked about Yeah, he was he was asked about that afterwards. Like, are you worried that the players just aren't listening to you effectively because of they they have this penchant for committing the same error in game after game and it's happening month after month at the moment and I mean even the Pap Papissar goal for Tottenham. There was something, you know, it was somewhat similar to those other goals where a ball is pulled into the box and someone who's not marked goes and scores. I remember as we were walking out the ground last night, you said how how abysmal that second goal was, just from a defensive point of view, and how how appalling the defending was. And watching it back this morning, you're not wrong. I mean. Actor Koglu, who I thought was was terrific all night, he, he was he was man of the match. When, when the ball's played into the right hand channel, he is parallel with Casemiro, so it should be a close it should be a close sprint between them. By the time he receives the ball in the penalty area, he is around ten yards ahead of Casemiro, and Casemiro has been off it pretty much all season so far. Um, it really has been... It's it's safe to say that it's been a case of second-season syndrome. He, he's he's he been caught out so often. He's been off the pace so often. His, his second booking last night, you, you can't really... That, that wasn't his fault so much as Inanna. Anana played him into trouble, and he tried to salvage the situation but couldn't. But him being caught on his heels has become a familiar sight. And the deployment of Amrabat at left-back... I, I just find, I mean, T- Ten Hag has done that because Amrabat played, left back a handful of times for him at Utrecht in, in 2016. I highly doubt even some Utrecht fans can recall those games. This whole once upon a time in the era VC, this player did that. Ten Hag has formed for this. He did it last season when he started Christian Eriksen as a false nine in the defeat to Brighton. And when he was asked about afterwards, he said, well, he played there when he was at Ajax. And Ajax were, was a club that Eriksson left nine years before he ended up at United. So the relevance just doesn't compute. And again, this fixation on players who've been uh, you know, developed in the the Eredivisie, come through in the Netherlands, it, it just doesn't wash. It, it's not going to cut it in the Premier League or the Champions League, never mind playing for Manchester United in the Premier League or the Champions League. And... As unfair as it is on Amrabat, he's still 27 years of age. His positioning for the second goal is just amateur hour. He he goes walkabout, no excuse for it whatsoever. Whatever the situation with Sergio Reguilón for the Brentford game at the weekend, Amrabat cannot play at left-back. There has to be a change-up there. Play him in midfield, that's where you've brought him to play. He, he needs a run in midfield as well he's probably going to get it after the October internationals especially as Casemiro will be suspended for the first game against Copenhagen but that was a problem Um, Diogo Dallo he got bullied by Wilfred Zaha with with Ten Hag watching on uh, at Selhurst Park nearly 18 months ago happened again just with that first goal you you don't United again essentially they've committed the same mistake they did in the FA Cup final where they let the ball bounce And it was the same two centre-halves as well. And as bad as Dallo was, neither of the two centre-backs thought, there's a long ball here from Damson Sanchez, one of us should take ownership of this and just head it away. And United have gone so far backwards that with Damson Sanchez, in the 2017 Europa League final, United players were ordered not to press him. They were ordered to press Matthijs De his partner at Ajax, because... He was elegant on the ball. He could pick a pass. With Sanchez, United knew that his distribution was so hopeless that he would advance, advance, he would hoof it, and then they'd have Mauro and Fellaini to nod it away. So for one night and one night only, United literally missed Mauro and Fellaini against Galatasaray because two of the goals come from Hoicks from Davinson Sanchez. Just long, hopeful balls punted up and somehow they they end up with uh, they end up with with galatasaray scoring so that's how acute the regression is at united uh it it as i said earlier anything that can go wrong will go wrong at the moment and ten hag is cutting the expression of someone who he's who who just almost it almost looks like he can't get all of his ideas all of his instructions across to the players and he's straying dangerously close to that point, and that point is the point of no return.
0: Yeah, like I said, I thought all three goals last night were, were dreadful from a defensive point of view. You, you could compile a video of them and show them on coaching courses for years to come for what not to do. Like Davinson Sanchez has got two assists: one a long ball downfield, the other a headed clearance from an aimless Amrabat pass. Um, the, the second goal, like I mean, it was so bad. I've written a piece on it for lunchtime. It's Galatasaray have got to throw in 10 yards inside inside their own half and eight seconds later a scoring. And as much as their analysts might say that's something we've worked on, no elite team should be conceding a goal that quickly from that position. You know, a a dead ball is the one time you should have structure in your team and and United had none and Amrabat was turned too easily by the winger. Like you say, Casemiro was nowhere near his man and looks a, a shadow of the player at the moment and the d- defensive record is is disastrous i think that's four times in 10 games now they've conceded three or more 18 goals in 10 games in total anana sold himself too early for the for the winner i thought he, he made it he easy did. for um for ricardi to finish i mean that dink didn't really have much height on it but anana had gone down and and, te- and telegraphed it when he should have should have stayed tall and also you know, United were in that position because Casemiro had been sent off from a poor pass from Inanna. And it, it kind of sums things up that United signed... You know, Inanna was the best goalkeeper in the Champions League last season. He's come to Manchester United and now he's probably the worst goalkeeper in the Champions League after two two match rounds. And his form is... It is certainly a concern at the moment, isn't it?
1: It is. It its and in regards to the one-on-ones, that has happened before this season when Aronie scored Nottingham Forest's first goal, Anana made it easy for him. I mean, Aronie was not particularly convincing at all. He had all the time in the world, and he still almost ended up not taking the chance. And he only took it, and I think Anana got a glove on it. But again, he went down far too easily. He was he was sold a dummy, and I don't think there there even was a dummy uh, from from Arunii. And with De Gea, without wanting to dwell on the comparison too much, but I, I I remember even writing it at Brighton in May, so this is the final weeks of De Gea's United career. Whatever the shortcomings of his game, he st- he always retained an aura in one-on-one situations to the point that before the attacker had even hit it, it, it felt like De Gea had saved it because he'd psyched him out. He, he just had that that reputation and I think it was Matoma that night at the Amex where um, he really should have scored but De Gea stood up and I think the ball hit him in the face but he made he did what a goalkeeper goalkeepers like yourself uh, do they he made himself big. Anana just shrinks and it's happened twice already he's already realised that When you commit an egregious error for United, it is a hell of a lot worse than when you make make a mistake for Inter Milan or or Ajax, and I I think that that is still weighing on his mind because it it has to be. Just just looking, not not even just with those two instances last night. Was it at 1 1? The cross that he palmed out that Galatasaray could have scored from as well, that was atrocious. Like He could not have been more obliging for them in that moment if if he tried. Uh, it was an easy ball to catch. And there have been a, I think it was against Palace at the weekend, there was a cross that came in where it's in the six yard box, he stays rooted to his line. Now, one of the reasons United signed him was to come off his line, but at crosses, he does not look particularly dependable either. He's also not a young goalkeeper. He's 27 years of age, came through the Barcelona academy, he's played for big clubs in, in Ajax and, and Inter Milan. He's got, as far as external candidates to replace De Gea went, he, he was a prime candidate to do so. But we've seen it so often players go to Man United, the scrutiny, the criticism, it can become overwhelming. It, the, the mental side of it, can become overwhelming, and I think Anano has become the second, the, the latest victim of it. It's I'm not for one moment saying that come the weekend he should be dropped or he's he, he's a write off already. It's it's far far too premature for that. But when Ten Hag said on Monday that they they decided to play him against Palace in the League Cup last week because he's still adapting to English football, I thought if if you're really having to play him in a game where the opponents are treating it as an inconvenience. That suggests that there is a bit of a mental issue there if the player is still taking his time to adjust because he could miss up to seven games in the new year through the AFCON. You need to have a look at and Deer long before then. And unless Anana is outright dropped, it's difficult to see... When he's going to come out of the team, and Bayinger is going to come in in the next round of the League Cup, they have Newcastle, who of course they they played in the final last last season. So you would think that Anana will start in that one, and whatever happens in terms of the result of the weekend, I think for United as a team and as and for for a lot of individuals in that squad, the 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 October internationals are coming at a good time. They need a clean break for a period where everyone can clear off. You come back and there'll be some players back from injury and, and you can maybe get your confidence buoyed by by a cop, couple of results against Sheffield United and, and Copenhagen because at the moment, they're in a rut and it's individuals as well. Varane said on Monday about, you know, we're not conceding too many goals and the forwards need to be more efficient. And of course, Hoyland is beyond deficient. He's he's terrific. And the defending is it's one of the worst defensive performances I can recall Old Trafford in um, in recent years and yeah, that that has to be on Varane, it has to be on Lindelof. It is getting to the point and he'd have been in my team last night as well but you have to ask the question, does does Maguire come in on Saturday? Because United have been so, so leaky at the moment, are being so leaky at the moment. Lindelof is just playing because he's not Harry Maguire and... Um, there has to be a change up there there have to be some pretty significant changes for that game at the weekend
0: yeah definitely and if Martinez is, is going to be absent for two months or longer then you you need a, a settled centre-back partnership in a way but I think it's you know Maguire probably has, has earned his chance now you could even play Lindelof at right back and, and Dallow at left back but we we will do a podcast on Friday when we look at that Brentford game in more detail uh, you mentioned it earlier in this podcast Samuel a disappointing night for United off the pitch as well um I think it's fair to say, of Galatasaray fans in the home end. I estimated around a thousand. think it was a few more. It probably was. um, Not not a great night for the club. Uh, The story on the MEM this morning about United investigating that, that they believe that the tickets have come through through touts or UK-based Galatasaray fans who have bought memberships and and bought tickets that way or bought hospitality, which shows their commitment, I guess, paying hospitality packages, uh, hospitality prices to get in and well worth it in the end for... a famous night for their club, but it's just another another example of the things going wrong at this football club at the moment. And it, it should be an avoidable situation that, that that is happening when it when it was so predictable, it's no secret there's a a big Turkish community in the UK. and we know Galatasaray are Turkey's biggest club, so it, it felt entirely predictable and, and just typical of of kind of what's going wrong. Everything's going wrong and on off the pitch for for United at the moment. But We'll, we'll look for positives. Um, I thought Mason Mount was all right in the first half. Um, and other than that, I mean, the, the other overwhelming positive is is Rasmus Hoyland, isn't he? His first goal, I thought he took it pretty well, even though it looks a simple finish. He cushions that header well, considering the cross was coming at him at some pace. His second goal is is fantastic. The pace and strength to get away and then the ability to pull off that finish when running at such high speed. And there was other moments in there. Early on in the game, he showed pace and strength again. His hold-up play early in the second half to hold the ball up and then find Ericsson's run. He was the overwhelming
1: positive on the night, wasn't he? He was terrific to watch. And he also deserves immense credit because at the weekend, the three best chances dropped to him. He didn't take any of them. United lost, and you're wondering... How often is that going to happen this season? Um, where you've got the main fo- the main focal point, the main striker doesn't take his chances, and United end end up coming away with from the game with nothing. And even before he scored, he embarked on that brilliant early run where he put in a, a terrific cross that Fernandez really should have scored from. And he, he there were a few of them last night where he really got the crowd on their feet with um with with his pace and 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 charging at goal and. There, there's been he, he's quickly forged a bond with the match goers and I think that was apparent at Arsenal when he came on he got a loud cheer. Of course, his removal against Brighton was booed. When they're in Munich, he, he attended the the Manchester Platz um, memorial for for the Munich air disaster and had pictures with with supporters there. That goes a long way, but of course, his his what matters most is what you do on the pitch. And as you said, with the first goal he stays on side it's very easy to stray ahead of the ball there but he stays on side he connects with it so cleanly I think with the second goal there's always a temptation at times to compare the current United striker to one of their great strikers but that was such a singular goal from Hoyland that it it was his own and Ten Hag told us in in San Diego I think he used the word unique uh, when we spoke to him about Hoyland he didn't want to compare him to other strikers and that you know that struck me as quite a, a telling quote at the time and last night that second goal you saw why it had all the attributes of of a complete number nine, just the way he, he motored away from the final man, the way he angled his dribble as well, because I think the commentator even said, watching it back, it's a two on two. He didn't necessarily expect Hoyland to get away and have a one on one. So it's gone from a two on two. Uh, to a one-on-one through his pace and also the way he carried the ball and he just draws Muslera and it's such a, a, a deft thing a wonderful goal I mean, a, a, a big chunk of my match piece was was dedicated to him last night I'd have loved the game uh, the final score to have been and, and the, the actual piece to have been pay end to, to, to Hoyland because it, it was his breakthrough moment in United shirt sure, there's clearly that connection there he he turned conductor at one point, he turned to the crowd and you know urged urged them to, you know, turn the decibel level up. And within a minute, I think he scored, but that goal was offside. So I think last night his his performance, it pretty much ticked all the boxes. Um, given especially the context going into it, where he had that minor setback at the weekend and he knew he was going to be starting that game, but he also knows that he's really got to—he—he's—he's he's got to be the main source of goals. If you're the Man United striker, although Marcus Rashford might be um, to to your side, and he got thirty goals last season, you are—you are the number nine in in all but his squad number, I suppose. And they're going to be banking on him a hell of a lot this season. And three goals in two Champions League games is really good going. He needs to get off the mark sharpish in the Premier League as well, of course, because. That that's always a striker's bread and butter, and unfortunately for United, there's there's a real chance that they won't be in the Champions League uh, beyond Christmas as well. But I I just I liked I liked everything about him last night. What he was doing off the ball, what he was doing outside the box, his his play in the box, that, and that second goal, it it was so singular that there was no point comparing it uh, to to anybody else. So. That that was absolutely the overwhelming positive of it, and it was just it was a genuine pity. Look, we, we're in the press box. We want an easy night. We want we 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 don't want the stresses of a a back and forth. And there were we've had a fair few of them already this season. It would have been brilliant just to have, you know written about the you know, Rasmus Hoyland's first great European night in a Manchester United shirt, but it wasn't to be for him, unfortunately. Absolutely. As I say, we, we will be back on Friday
0: for a more in-depth pod, looking ahead to the weekend into the the issues around United at the moment. But final question today, Samuel, like, I guess focuses on, on Eric Ten Hag. I mean, there's another game to come before this international break, which already feels like a huge, huge game.
1: But is he at the point where he's, he's under pressure now? You're always under pressure when you're the United manager. But in terms of his position, I, I still think it's a... There was a stock headline that got used in Solskjaer's final month, which was he addresses his future. I don't think we're at that point yet with Ten Hag. I would hesitate to say his future is in doubt, but we are in October now. And if this if this decline isn't arrested anytime soon, he will be in trouble. Um, there, there are a lot of things in his favour, and the the club have invested heavily on his watch he has authority over that squad. There aren't any players who are going to get anywhere with with undermining him. He's either seen them off or he's banished them from, from the training squad as we've seen with Jaden Sancho. So I think that does help. He's got the authority. Solskjaer never had that. And also as soon as Cristiano Ronaldo went back there, you he he started putting the feelers out to United. Like essentially, when are you going to sack him? Because we we can't have this going on anymore. He he was looking for a resolution um, quite quite early on and seeking assurances I think as as early as after the Liverpool game and, and Solskjaer wasn't sacked for another four four weeks after then. Um, but th- that's that's what you get with with certain certain personalities, certain egos in the squad. The tricky the invidious position they're in with the Champions League now is that in a best case scenario, they win their next two games against Copenhagen, Galatasaray lose their two games against Bayern Munich and United go to Istanbul two points clear of Galatasaray um, with, with two games to play. And even that is not a great position to be in when you're going into that bear pit. We have seen how United can crumble away from home in the last two years in particularly hostile atmospheres. We saw it, I mean, even Seville last season. Seville is not it's not an atmosphere that people talk about or group with i don't know the the rome derby or the istanbul derby uh, as far as european atmospheres go but united crumbled that evening and I mean, it's, the Galatasaray fans, we saw how intimidating they could be last night when they were playing away from home. So goodness knows what it will be like um, in late November. And there is going to be something riding on that game. That's that's absolutely certain. Even if, as I said, if Galatasaray lose their next two games and United win their next two, Galatasaray is still only two points behind United with two to play. And they've got United coming to, to Istanbul. I think Galatasaray probably would have taken that um, before the group even got underway. And of course, if you're a Manchester United manager who fails to qualify for the knockout stage of the Champions League, you're at that point, you are having to address your future and it is fair to speculate or question um, the manager's future. It happened with Van Gaal in 2015. It, it happened with Solskjaer in 2020 as well. So he's... He's, I, I still think he's quite he's a reasonable distance from from the precipice but if they would if they were to lose on Saturday against a Brentford team who have not had a good start to the season and won one game in nine, at that point the October international fortnight might be busier than we all anticipated but I would still not ex- expect a, a statement from United announcing um, the, the manager's departure
0: yeah agreed i think we're a way off that at the moment um as i say we'll be back on friday we'll have a a more in-depth discussion on that and the game against brentford Uh, that's all for now remember to give us a like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Uh, like our youtube channel as well post-match review videos from every game on there as well as all our social media channels Uh, that's all for now and we'll be back with you on friday But, uh, there are no excuses. For United
2: start season. Can you give an explanation then for what is going on? <laughs> but when I give explanation, <laughs> then uh, you will see uh, excuses. So and there are no excuses. Okay, maybe uh, we have a little bit unbalanced left side, uh, but then still uh, we can't make the errors uh, we now making, and uh, we have to do better. And, yeah, it's just simple. The fact that we have to win our games.
0: Eric, are you confident that the players either are listening to you or are capable of doing what you want? Because you keep coming in here and saying we need to do better. We're making mistakes, and then the next game it doesn't seem to improve, and the
1: mistakes keep coming.
2: No. So if it were the same mistakes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah probably you could say, but I have seen a team uh, that was really connected. I have seen a ke- team with a great spirit uh, and they played in stages of the game uh, fantastic and uh, scored good goals twice up, we are totally in control in the game. And, and then all of a sudden uh, we make yeah, a mistake um, and yeah, an error. And yeah, that, I know football is a uh, a game of mistakes, yeah. But of course, I, I have to give coaching instructions how we have to deal uh, with this, such occasions and such situations. Uh, but yeah, it happens, and we got punished for it. Clear.
1: Phil. So. Eric, you, the fans booed you off at the end. Can you understand them for booing you off? Can you blame them for booing you off? And what do you say to them for booing you off?
2: Yes, I can understand. Uh, They can um, expect uh, I'm responsible for this team, for the performance, for the result, uh, together uh, with my squad. And in this moment we don't get the results and that they are then disappointed. I can understand. And yeah, we have to do better. Uh, But as I said also, I have seen a team uh, with a great spirit and also uh, um, a team and uh, was backed by a crowd uh, from the start till the end. And of course, in the end, the fans are disappointed, as we are. We are also very disappointed, but also that has to be fuel. And that is the good thing from this team. Every time uh, they find the energy uh, in every game, every start of the game, there was a team uh, with a lot of energy and with a good motivation to go into the game.
0: Eric, you've been brought in to do a job here long-term, we had a very successful season last season, but you know managers are judged by results. Is there any concern for you about your position? Or do you feel you have the confidence of the club hierarchy and the board to get through this situation and get the team back on track?
2: Yeah, last season uh, oh, uh, went brilliant, terrific, uh, more than we could expect. But also when we went in this project, we knew uh, that there will be, uh, will be coming caps. And in this moment we are a very difficult period, and as everyone is seeing, but yeah, we come out together and we are fighting together and we are stick together and we are behind each other. Uh, that is uh, me, the, uh, the directors, uh, the team, uh, all together uh, we will fight and uh, this is not us, uh, we know we have to do better. And in togetherness, we will come out.
0: Right. With your goalkeeper, if, if you see that um, there's confidence lost in him around the, the defence, w- would you be afraid to, to make a change in that position, or is he your number one brought him here and he's your number one
2: for the season going forward? We are happy with our goalkeeping group. <laughs> Definitely with Andre and Andre. Come on! He was in one semi-final Champions League. He was last season. He was in a final Champions League. So he has the capabilities to be uh, to be one of the best goalkeeper in the world. He showed that, and and he will do. Um, we already have seen in in games his great capabilities. Also his personality. If he make a mistake, eh, he will bounce back, and I'm sure he will do. Uh, in the coming games as well. Last question. Uh,
0: Eric, uh, you can see that you have to score in Bayern twice and um, in twice. What, what do you put that down to
2: and how do you remedy that? So, that, so that's, that's a fair point. Eh? That um, we have to keep eh, and even more than first focus concentration, eh? but also then take more control in the game eh, by even more compact. And uh, in possession, keeping more the ball in such moments after you score a goal or after you concede a goal, and you have to take more control, see what the opponents going to do. And then take advantage, because <laughs> always, and when you score a goal, opponent will give away more more spaces uh, clear. And when you concede the goal, yeah, they will come even more to go for a second. So if you know that, yeah, then take more control in the game, uh, as I just explained.
0: Okay, thank you very much.